0: You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Episode 16 of Hawk Talk, and we appreciate you joining us here wherever you get your podcasts. Greg Viscomi, Eddie Acapinti, with you again, and excited for Greg. Episode number 16. We've, you said it right before we just started recording. We've committed to this, and you know what? It's really one of the best parts of my week man how you doing today
1: i'm doing great i'm really tired of the weather right now
0: you're leading off with yeah yeah, it's a bit on
1: my mind my wife told me this morning she's like you're like really i don't have like seasonal depression disorder or whatever like i don't have that but like every day i wake up it's cold and rainy like enough already
0: yeah we're tired of it feeling like february right we're into spring sports it leads us right into bringing in our guest in this episode of hawk talk and when you talk women's lacrosse you know the season starts it's kind of you know dreadful and cold outside but this time of year we need cold we need it to be nicer and cassidy orban's going to join us on this episode and cassidy first of all how are you second of all are you tired of the weather too
2: yeah, I'm doing great, and yes, the weather is definitely not my favorite. I haven't played in cold like this since high school, probably. So <laughs> this is definitely a little gut check for me. But
1: is it so? You guys practice pretty early in the morning, eleven, you know, ten ten forty five. I guess that's not. Early. <laughs> I said it, and I was like, well, I guess it's not really that that early. Uh, is it sometimes like is it, it hard to like get going when you get out there when you walk out and you know it's you know thirty. Or 45 degrees and, and drizzling.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of like I check the weather and I just decide what I'm going to wear today. And then you're also sweating when you're playing. And then it's freezing. So you're just this back and forth of cold, hot, cold, hot. So it it does suck.
1: <laughs> it's interesting that, I mean, I've been doing this for 20-something years. And I was lacrosse SID for my whole career until this year. Uh, this like Lacrosse used to start like March 2nd or 3rd. Right. And then it just get pushed earlier and earlier. And now like February 12th, I think we played a game last year and like in the South, that's not a big deal, but up here it's cold and there's snow. And so it definitely is. There's definitely a difference between playing the beginning of your season to the end of your season.
0: Well, and all of the other spring athletes, softball, baseball, they go away for <laughs> yeah. a month, a month and a half. We don't see them cause they're in Florida. They're everywhere else. And, Cassidy mentioned it. Her previous college experience being down at Vanderbilt, um, you know, I would almost think it would be better. So you've played obviously in the southeast, played in the north, in the northeast, you played all over, but it's a little bit different in February in Tennessee than it is in New Jersey, New York, and in schools like that.
2: Oh yeah, so I mean, we definitely had a lot of rain. That was one thing I wasn't prepared for, but. It was raining and 60 degrees, so mm-hmm. it was like, ah, we could put up with this, and so it really wasn't as bad. And then coming back here, it just reminds me, you know, high school, and like you said, it kind of starts early. It kind of feels like a winter sport at that point. So we're starting in January, and, you know, kinda, like I said, gut check. But it's, I mean, it's been pretty mild, I think, though, this year. I mean, we had one one bad snow day, I think, and then yeah, that was it. after that, it's just been rain.
1: Yeah, I think we're turning the corner.
0: Well, I sure hope so, because <laughs> we always know, like, lacrosse starts – for us, right, for the non-student athletes, right, like those of us that cover all of the games. It starts, it's basketball season, it's the same weather. But now, as the weather gets nicer, that's when you start to feel like it's playoff lacrosse in the Northeast, right? That's when you start to feel, so we're hopefully starting to get that feel maybe this weekend. I know, you know, at least the sun's going to make an appearance, so that'll be good when the women's lacrosse team is back home, which we'll talk about, um, you know, part of our conversation. But, you know, Cassidy, we, we're really thankful that you're able to join us and, and get your perspective on not just this season here at Monmouth, but... As you know, the overall student athlete experience right from New Jersey, but started your career elsewhere. So take us kind of all the way back when you made the decision to initially attend Vanderbilt where you were the last couple years as an all conference player. Uh, What were the, the final schools that came down to your initial decision way back when along with Vanderbilt?
2: So it's actually really funny. I kind of had a very unique recruiting experience because Vanderbilt was actually the first and only school I visited. Uh, My freshman year, I visited Vanderbilt, absolutely fell in love with it. Um, And then from there, I was just like, this is it. I love the weather. I think that I could really, you know, make a good career here uh, academically and uh, athletically. But yeah, so it was really the only school I visited, the only school that I got a concrete offer from because it was the only one I entertained. So wow. very different from a lot of other athletes.
0: And it's so rare nowadays yeah. where yeah. students uh, verbally commit, then they verbally yeah. decommit, then they post on social media that they're not committing. And then all this other <laughs> stuff. I think that is such a unique experience. So you just fell in love with, with Vanderbilt, with Nashville right away.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which I'm thankful that I made the right decision because they changed the rules now, but you used to be able to commit your freshman year of high school. And right. you know what do you know as a freshman? Right, right. So we, it's, it's crazy.
1: That's something we've talked about. Like ad nauseum is in order to be competitive, you had to offer girls, girls that were, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade. And like my daughter is going to be in ninth grade next year. And I couldn't imagine like being enter, like having coaches call her and be like, hey, so in four years, we want you to spend the next four years. At this place, and you don't know if that coach is going to be there. You don't like they. I'm so happy for because it was really the sports of softball, women's across and um and women's soccer. I, they really did a good job of like regulating that. So now, yeah, I don't think you can even offer a kid before they're a junior. Yeah, junior year, I think. Which then, by then, you should have a better idea as opposed to being a freshman. Th-
0: think about the growth as an individual that you have between. 14 years old, and 17 years old, right? And, and when you're younger, the, the growth is kind of magnified, right? So, you know, Cassie, d- do you feel like that being the best fit for you was going to be the best initial fit for you kind of regardless, right? And, and like you said, not having to do it at that age was, <laughs> I'm sure, beneficial.
2: Yeah, I mean, just with Vanderbilt, it was kind of like a no-brainer academically for me. I definitely, lacrosse wasn't necessarily the forefront of my decision. I wanted to go to a pretty academically strong school, and it was just kind of the perfect fit for me. Um, you know, I at first was thinking about Ivies and all of that, but I just kind of liked the the vibes at Vanderbilt, uh, the team, the culture, and it was a big risk because like you said the coach might not be there in 4 years, you know, I could get hurt in 4 years. So, right. I had to make a decision based off if I did get hurt, um, would the coach still offer keep that offer on the table, which was true, so she would. And then also, you know, if that coach felt like she was going to be leaving and she seemed pretty committed to the team, so I Like I did my due diligence, but like I said, there's only so much you can do as a freshman,
0: right?
1: I think you will. You find a lot now, and I obviously I work with football too, so I see it a lot there. It's like kids love the process of being recruited. (laughs) They love the graphics and the letters and the phone calls and the tweets. So it's like really refreshing and awesome to hear like the other side of the coin. Like I wanted to go someplace that was an awesome education. I did some actual. I mean, nothing drives me more crazy when I see so excited I to know receive exactly an offer <laughs> from the University of Monmouth. I'm like, uh, I'm like, we're giving you, a, a, you know, essentially a full ride to come here and be, you know, get an education and play a sport, but you don't even know the name of the school. So it's like refreshing to hear people do like their due diligence and look into a school. And like one of the biggest things is like, am I going to be happy if I step away from lacrosse and for whatever reason, or I step away from my sport? Am I still going to be happy at this school, getting this education in this town? Um, I've never been to Nashville, but I can't even... You couldn't find one person on earth to say something bad about Nashville. It's an awesome
0: city. Yeah. It's an awesome city. And I hate country
1: music, but I'm still kind of interested in going.
0: Yeah. I'm not the biggest country music fan, and you go there, and you just get swept up in how awesome (laughs) it is. No, it's true. Every bar has live entertainment. There's concerts all over the place that aren't even really concerts. It's an amazing... It's why it's become that kind of destination for everyone. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I used to hate country music. I I loathed it. It was awful. And now, like like you said, now you're just like a part of it. So it kind of feels like it's like your culture now.
1: Did, but. did you have a lot of people from like Jersey or like other friends from like growing up come and visit you? I uh, feel like that's yeah. a destination where people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to go visit Cassidy. Oh,
2: here. yeah, for sure. I'm actually a very big homebody. So I I think I had a family member visit me like every other week. So like I actually didn't feel like I was really away from home. So I definitely had my family there a lot. And then my friends would a lot of times like my friends from home would be visiting anyway and they're like oh hey i'm gonna be in nashville because it's such a it's like a huge touristy area now Mm -hmm. it's like one of i think the top growing cities in the us so i have always had company which was great
1: how were your parents when you when you decided to go to school 12 hours away or whatever
2: they were they were excited because they love to travel so they Mm. were just super stoked to be able to go (laughs) somewhere new and my parents, like God bless them. They came to every single one of my games. Wow. So I don't think they missed a game. Even when I was hurt, didn't miss a game. Wow. Um, so Kudos. They, got, they got to travel to all those games. They, they still come to every game at Monmouth. Haven't missed one. Well, it was an easy one for them there. Yeah. Yeah. They made the trip to Niagara too.
1: Oh, oh I, yeah. Yeah. I forget about that. So,
2: Good for them. That, I know. They're
0: great.
1: Hats off to the Orbins.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. That is is that that is true dedication throughout the whole process. Uh You know, Cassidy, your career, I I find it so interesting, but I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Making that initial decision, it wasn't just for what it was going to mean to you on the field, but it was kind of the right decision for you in all facets of being a student athlete and of being a student kind of first. And would you kind of give that advice to, you know, a junior in high school now or a freshman in high school now when they kind of take everything in? Because like Greg said, so much of the recruiting process is everything but what the fit actually is for the student athlete, um, who, who kind of, it's a two-part question. Who was the one that kind of in, in made the impression on you? That's the decision you should make. And what would you tell someone being recruited now?
2: So definitely my mom, she said that I want you to go wherever you're going to be happy. And as cliche as that sounds, she kind of told me, you know, look at it as if I wasn't a student athlete. Would I, would I choose to go to Vanderbilt? Would I apply there? And hundred percent. Yes. So I think Vanderbilt for like five years in a row has the number one happiest college students in the U.S. So that was like, hey, if I don't play lacrosse, am I going to be a good fit here regardless, socially, academically? Like, is this going to be a place I can still call home? And that was for sure uh, the right decision. And giving advice to someone in the same position, I would say, take lacrosse, take your sport out of the picture. Could you see yourself there? Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important. You know, like you said, a lot of people, you know, they commit for the optics. They kind of, like, do this even though they don't they don't love it. They want to kind of just be uh, – on a team, be an athlete, but there's a lot more to it. It's not just, you know, it's student athlete. You have to be able to fit into every single part of that college and the college has to fit you. You
1: don't have to fit the college. That's uh, tremendous advice.
0: It is. And I feel like we all talk about it as people, administrators that work Mm. in a college athletic department, but that side of it I think is, is so interesting because we view it one way, but Cassidy, going through that process, I think, views it a whole other way. And that's, I mean, I'm going to record this and play it in <laughs> 18 years for my son, if he's able to be recruited.
1: Seriously, the not yet born.
0: Uh, no, I have another month. Yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Not this hair happen.
0: goes away in the next month, by the oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> believe me.
1: I had lots of hair when I had no care.
0: Right, exactly. Well, I don't know about lots.
1: Um, so... Now that we've loved the Vanderbilt enough, that, that was they should probably send us a check for, for that recruiting. <laughs> I was meaning
0: to tell you that they they sponsored this episode. <laughs> yeah, actually, seriously,
1: that's okay. We'll take their money. They got a big endowment. Yeah. Um. Let Let's move on to you know. Okay, so you graduate and you know you want to play a fifth year. Mm-hmm. What schools were you thinking about coming to? When did Monmouth come into the to picture, and what ultimately uh, led you to come up here?
2: Yeah. So I was looking at schools on the northeast. Um, you know, more east than Vanderbilt. But a lot of schools were on my radar. I know I had a couple offers from Pitt, from Jacksonville, like different areas. And I love the schools. But when it came down to it, like I said, the school has to also fit me. And I told you guys I'm a big homebody. And I was just away from my family for four years. And I was like, I want to be as close to them as I can. Um, It was just super important for me to be able to do that. And being from Jersey, it was just kind of the right fit um, financially too. Like everything kind of just fell together perfectly. And that's kind of how I made my decision on that piece. And then plus I love the team. I knew a couple girls before I came in, it kind of felt the same as Vanderbilt. Like we were all so close at Vanderbilt and here it's kind of the same thing. We all support each other. Like we all get along and that's very, very unique for a team to (laughs) have that kind of relationship. And that's just like all together. It was like a perfect package for me.
1: Who did you know prior to coming up here?
2: I knew Gina, Gina Verone. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, her and her sister and my sister actually played lacrosse together at Montclair State. So okay. we were kind of – I've known her for so long. And, you know, I talked to her before the recruiting process, and we kind of just, you know, chopped it up, and it, I loved it. So,
1: so did you – you visited first before you committed?
2: Yeah. So I wasn't going to because I was like, eh, I am a grad student. I don't really care about the campus. It doesn't really matter to me. But then right. I kind of felt, you know what, just to, like, ease of mind – let's I'll just visit it and it realized how close. So I have a house in brick and it's like 30 something minutes. So yeah, it's close. It kind of just feels like home.
1: Um, Who, who did you mainly talk to throughout the process? Was it coach Troutman? Was it coach Kaysner?
2: Yeah, it was coach Troutman. I remember my first, I emailed her actually initially when I was on the transfer portal. And when she reached out back to me, she actually asked me to FaceTime and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, so we FaceTime for a little bit and I just got, great vibes from the whole process and we kind of just she was very patient with me because I actually wasn't sure if I for sure wanted to play so I think we were playing like phone tag for probably five months and then once I made my decision the summer like she was thrilled and she was actually one of the only coaches who was willing to be patient with me which meant so much to me.
0: We hear how our coaches, when they come on this podcast, talk about the transfer portal. But now take us through that student-athlete's perspective. You mentioned some of the other schools that you were looking at and interested in. But I think we're also curious. I've never been in the transfer portal. Neither has mm-hmm. Craig. It didn't no. exist back then, nor were we student-athletes. When you enter the portal. <laughs> That's probably the biggest part about why. <laughs> I <laughs> added that at the end, though. I didn't, everyone didn't need to know that.
1: Not being a student-athlete might have been the, the Cassidy, top reason.
0: But Cassidy, when you enter the portal, how does that then, what's the next step? Do you start getting texts and emails from coaches? Is it like, what's kind of take the listener through kind of what that first couple of days after entering the portal is like?
2: Yeah, so once you enter the portal, it's kind of like either a waiting game or you can pursue coaches. So okay. I know I, I did get several emails that from coaches that I had not emailed first. And then I also emailed coaches for them to be able to reach back out to me. It was kind of probably an even mix of both. It was like 50-50 on if I reached out first or if they did. Um, but then, yeah, from there you can talk as much as you want, but it also is a risk because, you know, once you're in the transfer portal, if you don't decide to transfer, you have that chance of getting your scholarship revoked from your university. So it is a risk, but it was a risk I was willing to take because obviously I was a senior. Um, didn't really matter too much cause I was ending anyway, but yeah, so it's actually kind of, it is fun cause it's like every day is kind of new, you <laughs> kind of like, like scrolling through your email, like waiting. It's kind of just like. I don't know. It's kind of like a little fun game, but (laughs) it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting process. And I think that they're still trying to like fine tune it a little bit. I know this year the transfer portal was super flooded with a lot of people because everyone has their COVID year. So I used to be unique because I was injured. So I had a red shirt year, but now everyone does. So that's why it was also probably a little harder this year because... You're not unique anymore. There's like a thousand other girls who are in the same position as you trying to like switch schools. This was like the biggest year for transfers, I think. So that kind of attests to that fact.
0: It, it's kind of interesting, too. It, it almost sounds like when you enter the workforce, right? And, and now, yeah, there's people reaching out to you, but you're going to have to reach out to them, too. I, I think that experience is going to give you and all of the student athletes that went through it. Um, such a unique perspective now when you, you know, ultimately finish and then enter kind of the work world. That's so interesting to me how it works that, that two-way communication is, is so unique in the world of college athletics, right? Normally there's dead periods. There's Mm -hmm. only times when coaches can talk to student athletes. I I think that's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they are fine tuning it. Yeah. I think what you're going to find is that people jumped in with both feet and there's going to be a decent amount of student athletes across all sports that, that realize like, wow, I just gave up whatever my scholarship was and I'm not coming out the other side of this thing with a scholarship. So I think, I mean, obviously there's all different situations, right? Like you had your degree already. You said like, if you didn't play lacrosse, it wasn't the end of, probably wasn't the end of the world. You know, but then there's some people who spend one year at a school realize this is not a right fit for me. I ha-, you know, like I need to find another place to play. So it's really um it really is a it's the right thing and and I've said that from the start, like I do believe in it. um but I think it's definitely got to get tweaked a little bit. and there are some some I think things coming down the pipe. there's talk of periods when you can go in the transfer portal. so it's not like you know one of the things I think there's an issue with football is, Right now, you can go in the transfer portal whenever, so if you think you have a starting whatever, five, you know, offensive line, and then all of a sudden on August 20th, they decide that they want to, like, leave, or now you're you're screwed a week before the season starts. So I think that's kind of some of the things they're fine-tuning to have, like, time periods.
2: Yeah, because didn't that just happen with LSU, the basketball team? I think yeah, they all, yeah, they they all, all
1: left. Well, declined. they got rid of their coach, and I don't and think – then everyone just – Right. Up and-
0: they yeah. had at one time, I think they had hired a coach, but they had no one on their roster. Like if you went to LSU's yeah, yeah. schedule or roster page on their website, there's no names. Nobody. Which is wild. Well,
1: well, think about how long that's gonna I mean now the, the portal will evil even, even that out a little bit, but like how long does that set your program back? Like having to start over from scratch. Like
0: yeah. <laughs> Who knows, right? <laughs> I mean, it's LSU,
1: so let's not you know, be too upset. I mean, they're an SEC school with tons of money and a really good brand, so I'm sure they'll get by, but still, it's wild. It's a wild thought.
0: So that's kind of the exact opposite of the situation, Cassidy, that you walk into, right? It's a team that did graduate a ton of players from last year and a lot of players that put up huge numbers. You mentioned you had familiarity with with some of the Monmouth players, but how was that process with you working back into the team from an on the field standpoint? You mentioned how great it was off the field and and how it was similar to your situation at Vanderbilt, but now, you know, kind of take us into those first few days of practice where you're kind of figuring out your role on the team and entering a team that right, had players that were ready to take that next step as well. So now you're kind of playing side by side with them.
2: Yeah. So like a, The day before practice, I was a little nervous because, you know, it is weird coming in. I'm not coming in as a freshman. I'm coming in as a fifth. I'm coming in as the oldest person on the team, which was a unique experience for me, especially for this team who is pretty young. I mean, the senior class is pretty small, and then Mm -hmm. a lot of the girls haven't played yet because they had COVID. They, I think one whole grade redshirted. So it was just a very unique experience for me. But coming in, I mean, the girls made me feel so welcomed. Uh, They actually, like, even... Like I didn't feel like I had to come in to like prove anything or anything because they were just so accepting of, you know, every player and they wanted everyone to succeed, which is like very, like I said, this is a very unique team. Not many teams are like this and they want everyone to kind of be successful. So, and now, I mean, I feel like, I don't even feel like I'm older. I feel like I'm just kind of gelled in with like every single grade and which is a Great thing to be because it's never good to, you know, feel inferior or superior on a team. And I feel like I'm at that happy medium of just being completely gelled with this team.
1: So, do you think that offensively you guys hit your stride yet? I mean, there were some times it, it's a whole new front end. I mean, it really is. There's players who played some time. You know, Hope got in, you know, had gotten in a little bit over the years, but it's a really new <laughs> setup. Um, like, do you have how's that going? Do you think like you guys kind of hit your stride? You scored a bunch of goals the last two games, um, as it as a unit. You know, how was how that thing kind of working out?
2: I like to say that we didn't peak because it's never good to you know it's good to peak on your last game. Uh, but I think that we kind of have found at first we all thought we had our identity. You know, I felt like I was just like a one v one driver, and that was kind of just my only role. But then I think we all just kind of got out of our shells and started doing things that we don't normally do. You know, like Caroline Brennan usually is playing behind the net. She's usually doing these crease rolls, and we kind of put her up top for some plays, and she's scoring top dodging. And then we have the same thing with Hope. Hope's cutting. Hope is also doing 1v1 drives. And we're kind of all very dynamic, and I don't think we realized that early on in the season. Mm -hmm. But now we kind of realize each one of us, we don't have just one skill that's very scoutable. We have each one of us has different skill sets that can like help us succeed. So we're kind of honing in on how everyone can vary their skill sets.
0: And we come in now to a game this weekend at home uh, against Canisius at 12 o'clock Saturday, two in a row in the win column, like both of you just mentioned 17 goals in each of those last two games against Siena, the win yesterday against Iona. So, Like you mentioned, not peaking yet, but as these players have shown and as you've shown, you could take on a few different roles within the attack. Do you feel like, uh, especially from the previous four-game losing streak to now, that this team uh, and these roles are starting to really trend in the right direction because uh, the team the last couple of games has been explosive?
2: Yeah, I think we are definitely – fluid is, like, I think the good word for us to use is that we're very fluid. So, I usually – like, I'm righty. But if I end up on the left side of the field, like – That's fine because I think that I'm confident in my skill set and I think that everyone else too. If they're kind of in a situation where they're not as comfortable in, they'll still succeed in it. I know that like a couple people on like MIDI's have taken it behind the net and like done successful things and it kind of just comes on being fluid. If we can still work together off of like when we're in situations that we're not normally in, I think then we can succeed. Uh, I know that uh, for example like Ella's usually a pretty good assist and then sometimes she's, she's scoring right off the bat. So it's, it's kind of interesting that, to see how we can be so fluid with each other while also kind of highlighting each other's skills.
1: So midfielder, have you always been a f- midfielder? Do you love playing the midfield? I mean, like you have a ton of draws. Uh, you're very active, like in the ride and on the defensive end, you um, you know, Talk about being a midfielder and, and and why did you always play there? You know, fall into there. That
2: yeah. Uh, I'll be frank. I love sprinting. I hate running. So <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to midfield, it's interesting because like I love to sprint because you know I just you know like competition trying to beat my girl. But at the same time, I have to kind of you know make sure that I'm not going all out and getting gas too early. So it's kind of like an ebb and flow of my running. But I've kind of gotten used to it now. I was primarily a midfielder my whole life, I think, now that I'm thinking back on it. Uh, <laughs> at Vanderbilt, I was always a midi. I was kind of more of like a utility player, too. I kind of went where we needed. Mm-hmm. So midis can usually do that because they play all over the field. Right. So... Yes, but I'll be honest, at moment, this is the most running I think I've ever done. I mean, the co- the coaches really put us into shape before season, and, like, kudos to them because this is definitely the most running I've done. And, I mean, I needed it because these games, these games are tough. And I think that all of us being in this kind of shape, like, I think anyone can really run the midfield at this point, and that's just nice. so impressive for this team.
0: I think it's interesting for the listener out there, too, to see how much success you had – at Vanderbilt in the AAC, right? Everyone knows Vanderbilt's an SEC school, but they play lacrosse in the AAC. But to then have you say, these games are tough. So to go from that competition to to this, I want to say, how is it different? But to just build on what you just said, you mentioned it's tough. What makes it tough? Is it the amount of running that you're doing? Is it uh, the role that you're in? Or is it the level of competition, a combination of all of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it. And I just think that this conference is just gritty. I mean, like, these girls, like, they, everyone is out here to, like, you know, prove something in a good way, not, you know, not right. a bad way. But it's just, like, a gritty conference, and everyone, you know, it's just hard to explain. Like, I've, I've never been in, like, this much stiff competition. I feel like every game, it could be either way. Mm-hmm. Like, you're having teams lose significantly, and then they're beating the top person in the conference. So I just think this is a very gritty conference, which makes it, like, super tough, but so rewarding in the end
1: yeah I mean we were kind of talking and I think Fairfields separated themselves a little bit mm-hmm. um but every other team it's a like you said it's a 50 50 game like we had never lost to 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 Manhattan before, yeah. which is not exactly <laughs> exciting but um then we come out and we had a three game you know Sienna was the second best team in the conference the last three years and we dominated that game and were, the third quarter was the only quarter that was even remotely close they played really well and we kind of slipped off and then we closed really strong in a fourth uh, so so take us back to the Siena game which was our last home game uh, the third quarter they get it within two after you guys just pound them like what what was the mindset of that fourth where you were got I think they had like two shots the entire fourth quarter like and you guys scored a bunch of goals
2: yeah I think that like even when we were up we were kind of playing like we were losing because I think like we were coming off a losing streak so it's kind of like we were playing desperate and it's just like, you know, we're up. We, can, we have the pace of the game. We can control the pace. And I think that's kind of what set us apart. And then also, I mean, Danielle McNeely was kind of hyping us all up because, I mean, she's playing against her sister and mm-hmm. she's having this standout game. That was, like, the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And I think that we just had to, like, go back to, that, like, hey, tune back into the first, second quarter. What were we doing? We were controlling the game. We were controlling the pace. Let's just keep doing that. We don't need to play frantically. We're not down. And I think that we just had to kind of recognize that that was the case. We we were up. There was no need to you know be desperate. Mm-hmm.
1: Even like yesterday's game against Iona, who's a, a really a vastly. It wasn't that long ago that Iona was like the worst team yep. in the in yep. the conference, and now you know they 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 have a seven and like five record, and um, it was a battle yesterday. So you score six goals, you have a bunch of draw controls. Um, Talk, take us through that kind of game a little bit. It's, it's a, a miserable day. It's a day exactly like today out. It was cold. Uh, coach did it rained the entire time. Um, you know, what was kind of the mindset going up there and trying to put together a win streak heading back here?
2: I think yesterday was a perfect example of people doing things that they don't normally do and being successful on them. So, like I said, I'm like a driver. I kind of just use my speed. I really not don't have that many technical skills when I'm trying to go to net. But this game, I mean, Caroline Brennan and I, I think she had, like, at least two assists to me. I, I was cutting yesterday. I was doing things that I don't normally do. Then we have Maddie Murphy come off the, come off the bench, and she scores one top left. So we're kind of – it was definitely a game where we were doing things that, you know, we don't normally do. And I think that that's kind of what sets us apart. I mean, teams are scouting us. They probably scout me as someone who just drives from one elbow, just stop her there. So you're going to have to take what people are scouting you for and change it. So mm-hmm. do something different. Take Caroline from behind the net, put her up top, uh, bring, have Maya do drives too. Maya had a great cut and she scored off that too. So we, that yesterday was definitely a game of doing things that, um, out of the box for each one of our skill sets.
0: And with a team, that's like, we've kind of been talking about, right. Is evolving and now has that fluidity. I think that's a great word that you use the ability to be fluid. And, uh, you know, When we watch the sport of lacrosse, I I I can't help but think it's right a combination of like two, three different sports. Did you play any other sports growing up? What was your athletic background, or was it strictly women's lacrosse all the time?
2: No, so I actually didn't start lacrosse till I think like middle school, and I played basketball and soccer. Actually, my mom made me try every sport, so Mm -hmm. I'll start with that. But (laughs) I I actually went through with basketball, lacrosse, and soccer. Um, so I was kind of just like all over the map with that. And then high school, I started to hone in. So I played basketball for a couple of years and then by senior year, it was just lacrosse. Cause I was doing like summer leagues, fall leagues. And I kind of just wanted to prepare for going to school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you'd already known that you were going to be a division one athlete by yeah. that time.
0: Well, that's why I wanted to ask because you take all of the elements of all of the sports that you played And they tie together and and when we do the games there's a Mammoth alum that broadcasts with me and and hearing Erica talk about this how it ties in all the different elements especially women's lacrosse being different from men's lacrosse because of all the different rules with contact and things like that. Do you feel like sometimes when you're in the zone that it's like playing in a basketball game with the way that the movement is and setting picks and everything else? Does it have that feel a little bit?
2: Yeah, actually basketball is the one sport our coaches always reference and it's really fun. Good, I feel better that I do it too. Sure, It's funny because it seems like the two most opposite sports but it really Does have a lot of the same principles, and I mean another piece of advice. Like I actually really regret quitting uh, basketball and soccer like midway through high school because I think that playing other sports just like kind of fine tunes every little skill in your body. And I think that for any athlete, you know, don't just focus on one thing. Like still branch out, still you know hone in on your, your athleticism because it's so important to play multiple sports. I think personally, and I that's the one thing I do regret is not going through with that in high school. But, yeah, like you said, everything I do in lacrosse, I think could be like transferred to a lot of other sports. I mean, some people even like refer to field hockey because it's kind of like field hockey in the air,
0: That's right what a lot a lot of people say
2: so <laughs> we have a lot of field hockey girls on our team who played did very well in high school with that. Uh,
1: so one more lacrosse technical question, you know, the draw, and I think it's I don't think people people who watch the sport know the importance of it. But you can see, if you look at our last two games, you know, we set the pace offensively when we got the draw and you were a really big part of that. You lead the team right now with 74 draw controls. Is there an art to it? What, what do you, take us through get, earning the draw control when you're on the circle.
2: Yeah, so I actually like how we do it here. So it's kind of like we'll have Maya or Allie take the draw, and they're trying to get it to the girls on the circle. So we'll have Bree and I, who are pretty scrappy players. You know, Bree's had, like, I think at least 15 the past, like, two games. And so basically the ball, we know that we'll win the 50-50 because I think we just believe we're faster, stronger than most of the people that we go up against. So it's fine if the ball gets to the outside circle if we don't self-draw because, you know – I trust Bree, Bree trust me, we can we can get to it. So I think that that's kind of a unique skill. A lot of teams like to self-draw, like whoever takes the draw mm-hmm. is trying to get it themselves. But I think that our skill set comes in the people outside because we're just a very gritty team.
1: Is there a lot of pride in, in that portion of your game?
2: Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the one thing I focus on every game. It's, I don't know, I, I just love the draw, I think, because it really does set the pace. They do say draws win games. So I, I have a lot of pride in, you know, trying to make sure that I can get as many as I can. I mean, we have been doing pretty well the past couple of
0: games. It is incredibly unique, right? I'm I'm trying to think of another sport where if you score, you can get possession right back, right? Think about it. Basketball, you score, the other team's going to inbound it. Football, you have to kick off to them. But in women's lacrosse, right, in soccer, it goes right and it flips. And and, in women's lacrosse, it is so unique. And uh, I think, Greg, you brought it up earlier. That was the biggest thing that we noticed in that home game against Siena, that it seems like when this team, it, it seems like it all goes right and it all can go right at the same time. And that's when you can score five, six, seven goals and really kind of go off on teams is when you score, draw, score, draw. Like you mentioned, you and Brianna and everyone kind of working like that. Can you feel that momentum? like? If Mammoth scores two, three goals in a row, you almost know. Look, we're getting this next draw. Yeah. We we can feel it.
2: No, definitely. I mean, like you said, it's a momentum thing, and it's kind of weird how that works. But and then also, it we control the pace, so you get the draw. You control the pace on the offense. Like you could either use the whole shot clock or go right to goal and score another one. So, you know, when you're controlling pace, it also puts in a kind of confidence in everyone. And then confidence on the circle is key. You know, if you think that I'm going to get this ball, you can be gritty in doing so. So.
1: How do you guys decide? I mean, is that a call from the sideline? Like, okay, draw comes up. Are we going right to net and scoring? Is it situational? You run down and somebody screws up an assignment and you see it's like, whoa, 1v1 against the goalie, like I'm going. Or is it – are there times where it's like I don't care what happens other than like an empty net, like get into an offensive set, burn some time, pass the ball around?
2: Yeah, it's pretty situational because if we have, say, Maya taking the draw, she's an attacker, so we'll only have three attackers – behind the line so say I come up with it and I'm running down the field we don't really have a man up opportunity it's going to be a 4v5 so a lot of times it's situational like we won't take that we'll settle it and then also Maya or Allie whoever they have to switch out the draw stick or get someone on so Mm -hmm. we have to kind of like wait for them to get in because you don't want to be playing 6v7 but then there's other times where you know I know Caroline Hope they're so good at getting ahead that you know you see them just 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 do another one. Like sometimes it's a big momentum thing and scoring right off the draw is one of the biggest things to get a team like back into it, especially, I mean, I'll give Sienna credit, like after they were, you know, down for quite a bit, like once they got the draw and went right down like twice. And I mean, that's a big momentum thing. And that's when the other team kind of has to call timeout, like try to break that. So it's definitely situational,
0: I think.
1: Right. Get, get some momentum back.
0: Well, and it was a big fourth quarter for Mammoth that solidified that Siena win. Then a 17-12 win against Iona. The next game is at home, so we invite everyone to come out to Kessler Stadium this Saturday, 12 noon against Canisius. It's another big game. Two home games left. That's one of them, but we can't let you go without getting a little bit more... Uh, familiar with you off the field now, right? One of the great things that that we get to do here is, uh, you know, we get to talk about your recruiting experience, your time on the field, but you know what? Everyone wants to know Cassidy away from lacrosse as well. (laughs) So uh, we always have a couple that we kind of go to. So I'll start with kind of the easy one. Uh, What's the pregame routine like for you? And let's say it's in a home game, right? So are you eating the same food? Are you listening to the same music? Does it not really matter? What's your pregame rituals?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I am like very not superstitious at all so a lot of times I like I change my hair every game I do like a different (laughs) thing every game but I'm trying to think of one thing that I do consistently um I can't I can't eat like savory foods for some reason that's one thing I won't do I can't eat a heavy meal Mm -hmm. I for some reason it makes me feel heavy and that's so that's just one weird thing that I do and I know that for sure um and then this is another weird thing I drink beet juice before every game Really? Yeah. juice, juice
0: In I all okay. of the things I've read and everything else, I've never read beet juice as an optimum performance thing. Why is that the, the thing that you go to?
2: So it happened on accident, like, I think, like the first game of the season. I I don't even know how I got it. I was just like, ah, oh, it's like flavored water. And, like, I wasn't as tired. And I So I looked it up, and I guess it increases the nitric oxide in your body, and it can actually, there was one study that said it increases aerobic capacity by, like, 5%. So I was like, yeah, I'll just keep doing it. it tastes good. It's it gets did, me to gets me to drink more water. Well, the pow- the okay. beet
1: juice is good.
2: It's so it's like a powder. Okay, so okay. you mix
1: it in like yes, a water bottle. Yes, yes.
0: I, I'm hearing nil opportunities here. If you're listening to <laughs> Listen, this, <laughs> Cassidy is your <laughs> spokesperson.
1: Get me the beet juice powder, people,
0: right away, immediately. <laughs> yeah, I would be.
2: I would love that. I because now I'm now I'm like the biggest <laughs> spokesperson. I think uh, a girl on my team actually was doing it before me too, and she she hooked me onto it. And then now I think like there's three other girls on our team. So.
0: Let me give you some free advice. Just maybe right on social, just maybe post yeah, out shout out, whoever yeah, it is, shout them out. And, and that may be, you know, maybe you get a DM right there. Yeah. Then yeah, at least free
1: think. beet juice, get the free beet juice. If nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Get paid, though.
0: Exactly. A beet juice ambassador. We might've just idea. invented something.
2: Yeah. You might've just got my new, uh, my
1: new influencer gig. <laughs> That's right, right, exactly. So uh, this is one thing that I always regret when our student athletes leave, and I'm like, oh, I should have asked that. Um, what What are you getting your degree in, and what is life for Cassie Orban after lacrosse entail? Um,
2: I'm getting my general MBA. So my undergrad I was kind of focused in healthcare and so I never really took business classes so I kind of want to get that under my belt. You know, you can't go wrong. Right. And also maybe combine business and healthcare. When it comes to after school, I literally have no idea what I want to do. I switch my mind all the time. I originally wanted to work in public health, um like CDC stuff. After, after the pandemic, <laughs> I swear, if I hear the letters CDC, like, I do not want anything to do with public health. Like, I changed my whole track. So I really do change my mind a lot. Okay. And I'm kind of just, I'm probably one of those people that's just going to start working and figure it out
1: once mm. that happens. So what, when are you, when will you get your MBA?
2: I think the summer of next year. So 2023.
0: Okay. I know we've got to know a lot of the folks in the business school over the last couple of really months and years being here. And, and I don't know, I never got an MBA. It's actually one of my big regrets at Mammoth is that I, I went a different track in grad school because I think you're spot on. It it seems like whether it was you being recruited out of high school or the, the way that you kind of talk about this, you're, you're right on, you know, with the way that you're thinking. And um, that's going to be, we wish you the best of luck going into that industry. But with that MBA, I may be calling you in a couple of years because I may <laughs> Need a job, you know? Oh,
1: you're trying to get out?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, not trying to get out. Just, you know, trying to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, if, if Cassidy's hiring, why not?
1: Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> uh, so what is one movie that when you're flipping through the channels, like at home, chilling, that you have to stop and watch the rest of when you, when you get to it?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, man. Now my mind's blanking. I'm, like, trying to think of, like, my favorite movie. Hmm.
0: You could always go with the last one that that you saw too, it could kind of get you to the answer as well. Maybe she doesn't have time to watch movies during the season. That's true. It's
2: it's funny. I'm actually really not a big movie person, so this is a funny question. And I know like, everyone always gets mad at me because they're like, how have you not seen that?
0: (laughs) Well, what about shows? She would get along with
1: Mark. Yeah.
2: Shows, shows. Is there
1: a show Um, that you're like, oh, I got it. Like, I have a hard time getting past the office, like the early episodes of The Office. I do love The Office. Laughing Um, out loud like a fool.
2: I'm currently really into uh criminal minds and blacklist. I'm into mm. those kind of shows. Okay. So those are kind of my cause I, I like clever shows. So like ones that like, you know, you have to always like be on your feet for. Right. Um I'm usually crime shows are kinda like So that. the exact <laughs> right.
0: opposite of reality television. Uh, I, I, yeah, I
2: actually really don't like reality television at awesome. all. Awesome. Um so that's that's another thing. But I'm
0: I'm on
1: board with that. <laughs> we can definitely talk about that. <laughs> Hating reality television. Uh, so Criminal Minds, yeah. are, do you, are you like watching them in order or is it just kind of like, oh, hey, Criminal Minds is on?
2: In order. I'm almost done. I think I have one more season. So yeah, There's I,
1: like 17 seasons.
2: Of yeah, that. I started this like two years ago, so <laughs> I'm still, still working on it. It gets weird at the end. <sighs> yeah, I know some people say it's not as good.
1: I, well, I'm saying just like the last few seasons. My wife was way into it and watched it during a pandemic. And like I would watch a couple episodes and be like, oh, it's pretty good. And then like I'd like bump into her like later in the seasons. I'm like, this is... Kind of bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. 17 years is a long time to have. It's a long
0: on. time. It's rare a show can be on really double digit years and right. it's the same magic that it was years one and two. Cause you got to be fresh and you got to have different things. That's a lot of shows though.
1: I, I got one more and then we'll let her go. Of course. What's your goal song?
2: Oh, it's um the Jersey Shore intro song.
0: <laughs> I noticed that at the last <laughs> game and I can admit, I mean, obviously just, you could, I've seen the show. Um, <laughs> Why? Are you a big fan of the show? No,
2: actually, I don't think I've ever really fully watched it. It's just that being from this area, kind of, I thought it would be really funny. Actually, Mm -hmm. my goal song was always uh, Freebird, like the middle when it right. know, starts getting going. Right. Yeah. yeah, that was always my goal song, but I was like, you know, new school got changed up. So I figured I'm back at Jersey. Might as well give it the national Jersey anthem.
1: Jersey anthem.
0: I love that answer and why it's that answer. That <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. Represent. <laughs> it, it's great.
1: Somebody's was Springsteen the other day. I was pretty impressed by oh, that.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I remember hearing that. Yeah. Somebody's I don't know if it was that uh, I think it was Mary something. Kate George. Oh yes, yeah 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 that's yes. who it yes. was. And the only reason Local. I remember that is because right her her dad was my high school principal. Gotcha. And he works here now.
2: Yeah, he's uh, in the education. He's in
0: he's the education, education doctoral program. Yeah, correct.
1: Another great program here at mom, the Monmouth University. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, Cassidy, we we appreciate the time. You know, it's. The day after a game, you have a game in a couple of days. We understand that your time is is very valuable, so we appreciate you spending some of it with Greg and I. And we wish you the best of luck, not only on Saturday, but throughout the rest of the season and in a career that we know. Just after talking to you for a few minutes, you're going to do tremendous things, and we really appreciate the time.
2: Thank you. It means so much. This was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, right. It wasn't bad. I told you. you guys be quick. got a good gig over here. Right? <laughs> it's not, not bad. bad. This might be my future. Uh,
1: Listen, uh... Uh, here's the deal. We made the same deal with with Marcus, right? Yes. We have not had a repeat guest on. When you win the Mac championship, Maybe. you will be will the be first here. repeat guest. All right. All right. Marcus Marcus was close. McClary was close. He was five points away. Yep. And he called us on it. He goes, I, I'm going to be the first. I said, <laughs> okay. So go out there, uh, win it, and then we'll have you back on.
2: All right. Sounds good. Thank you.
1: All right. Thanks, Cassidy.
0: Cassidy Orban for joining us, and you know, Greg, it's always interesting to not only talk to the students that came to Monmouth directly from high school, but talk to the transfer student athletes. And like you heard Cassidy mention, you know, with COVID and everything else, kind of making that a unique situation. Everyone's journey is different. I thought that was one of the more interesting ones that we've heard from her initial commitment out of high school to how she ended up at Monmouth.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and you know, I think we've talked about it before. It's like one of the reasons why our coaches stay in touch and it's a little bit different because I don't think it happened with her, but one of the, one of the reasons why our coaches stay in touch with players who leave, um, that they're recruiting and maybe leave New Jersey and go to other schools is because there always is that, that chance that they want to come home, whether that's postgraduate during the year, you know, whatever. And not, not to say that there's any kind of tampering going on because there obviously isn't. But, um, I think that's like a good relationship you build. So it's awesome to hear about someone who, who left Jersey, went and had a, obviously a top-tier education and a really good athletic experience, but now is coming back and is having that same experience here on campus. Um, here, not far, you know, you heard her say that she does have a house in Brick, which is like 30, 30 minutes away, and, you know, she's from North Jersey, Northwest Jersey. Um, so it, it's really cool to hear her now come to back home, in quotes, and and have uh, that similar, like, team bonding And having fun on the field playing, even though every game hasn't gone the way they wanted, um, now they're starting to hopefully get it going and and roll right into the next three weeks of the season.
0: But also to hear her points about how competitive she feels the league is and, and how competitive the games are. And I think, you know, whether it's, you know, viewers of games or listeners or even us at times, You see a student-athlete who played in a, a quote, Power 5 league, right? And and Vanderbilt doesn't play SEC women's Mm lacrosse. They play in the AAC, but they still play huge schools. But to hear that experience, you know, when they transfer down, people assume, oh, they're going to... It's a lesser level of competition. And it couldn't be further from the truth.
1: No, definitely. But you do notice that she, she dominates. I mean, that game yesterday, she scored six goals. She had six draw controls. Like, she was all over the field. Even, you know... She's second on the team in points. I mean, we didn't even really get into, like, stats. But, you know, she, she's second on the team in points with 35. She's tied for second on the team in goals with 32. Um, she's having
0: one of the best overall across yeah, seasons in the MAC. It's a and really good Not just good at overall. Monmouth, in the league.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, we talked about having different guests on. We could have had, a, you know, Hope stewart could have been a guest, you know. Uh, Caroline Brennan, who I, I think is kind of on her way to, to being at least in the in the major conversation for, uh, you know, freshman of the year, rookie of the year, whatever they call it in the Mac. Um, we we had our pick of of having a couple of the, def, the defense has been really good, having mm-hmm. a defender on. Um, but I thought just, you know, when we talked about a, a mix of personality and experience that. Um, that Cassidy would have been a really good choice, and and I think she was.
0: Very unique perspective as well, being an older student athlete. But even when you hear her talk about her initial recruitment, I thought the point you made was an interesting one that, like, any of us that follow a bunch of college coaches on social media see the interactions between recruits, and you can tell the process of being recruited is beyond – I think she used the phrase, it is more about the optics and not Mm -hmm. about the fit. And I think, you know, when you kind of cut out all the noise – hearing someone who's in it say that I thought was really interesting, but you can just tell how she approached it, that that's how she would do that, right? She's not saying, oh, I committed because their uniforms right, are awesome. Right, because, yeah, because
1: they <laughs> sent me 35 graphics and right. their coach calls me every other night. And, and so that's, it's awesome to know that there are still student athletes that are picking schools for the right reasons. And um, I think our coaches here do a really good job of that because, you know, we have great facilities, we have great uniforms, we have everything, but we don't have the same as a Power 5 school does. So when we're able to kind of or even, you know, some of the the group of five schools. Uh, So when we're able to get a a student athlete to commit here over one of those schools, which is happening a lot, by the way, um, you know, they're coming here for the right reason. The education, the longevity of our coaching staff, the the amount of support they get on this campus uh, from every department. Um, And those are all the you know, those are the three kind of pillars of why a student athlete should come to Monmouth.
0: And if you want to see this women's lacrosse team in person again, they are at home at Kessler Stadium, Saturday, 12 noon against Canisius. Weather's going to be great. It's a great weekend to break out of this rain and cold that we have. Sun's going to be out. So you want to get here. You want to check that out. Our broadcast schedule actually starts Friday. We've got a baseball game. The Hawks have a three-game series with Niagara, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, starting at 3 o'clock Friday.
1: Always Always, Always a good series.
0: Always a good series. Niagara super competitive. They don't have a great mm-hmm. record, but they dropped. They lost. They got swept by Fairfield. But two of those games, four two and five two, were really competitive. Fairfield won the MAC last year, and they right. were
1: always have a good program. A three
0: too. seed in the in the college um, you know baseball tournament. So you get to see if you want. You get to see Trey Dombrowski pitch a previous Hawk Talk guest of ours. You, Friday, you should
1: come out and and go back listen to his 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 really 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 good guest on the podcast, and then. Um, and then come and, and watch him just dominate
0: <laughs> what well, he's had a great, he's had the year that you would in the most positive way, want him to have if you're a Monmouth fan, but come early because behind home plate, there's a ton of scouts. Mm-hmm. Leo and I are doing the game. We're going to be, you know, we, we set up actually at Kessler and I love our, our, our vantage point
1: legend Leo.
0: Oh, that mean pff, great player, former assistant coach. Leo
1: knows the game.
0: I can't wait. He's the baseball Tony Romo. He, he, is, is, the baseball.
1: he, he is. is the baseball Tony Romo. And
0: you know what? I don't know if I could put it in the universe. I think he does a better job. Wow.
1: wow. There it is. I know that he, Leo does not listen to podcasts, but <laughs> if he did, he, would, he, he must have paid you to, to say that.
0: I am very lucky. I get to work with great analysts we the did. whole year. We have, we have built right? a nice Shannon table. Poser and Steve Bazazz and Dave Calloway and Erica Kaufman. DeLea, everyone is awesome. Mm-hmm. But Tim
1: McGinney made t- a return. Tim McGinney's back this year.
0: It's Mr. Lacrosse.
1: He is Mr. Lacrosse.
0: But I he has love, his own
1: rankings for stuff.
0: He does. I love when he references them. But I love working with Leo. And it's because when we grew up in the industry, Leo was one of the guys who was already here. He's mm-hmm. a legend. Mm-hmm. A pickup basketball just beast. <laughs> really? Oh, he's I a monster. Know that. Oh, he's so good.
1: Um, you know what we're still looking for is a good softball analyst.
0: I know. I know. And and no it's disrespect hard. to Kevin Kopp, who's our Because Kevin and I do kind of a dual play-by-play. Mm-hmm. right? We switch roles. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, love Kevin Cobb, He's the best. He'll be here. Actually, we have softball on Sunday. So we're doing the Mammoth and Kenesha softball series on Sunday. It's a big ESPN weekend in my it world.
1: It is a big ESPN. But, Drew Kurtz just crushing it all oh yeah. weekend long. But
0: you're right. We, we could use it. It'd be great to get a softball alum. And we know a few. Maybe we can do some reach out. Mm-hmm. But it'd be great to have because a lot of our analysts are, I think, are all of them. Former athletes here. We're lucky to get Emery sometimes in the fall, mm-hmm. who, who was a Division One you know, running back in his day.
1: Does a great job. He's so, got his own thing going on CBS. He's, his, 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 he spread the wings and, and flew. He
0: does, but he's still, hey, no, he's still in the mix. He's a little to the Hawks. He's still in the mix. Uh, so it's a big weekend coming up, obviously, with all of the home events going on. And, you know, Greg, we're at that spot now where... We look ahead a little bit towards the end of the school year with some of these championships we've mentioned on the podcast. Monmouth can't host a championship this year, mm-hmm. but if you're a fan and you want to follow these teams, they're all playing well. We know that the ones at the top of the league standings are going to continue to be there. Uh, listen, the softball team, I know they are not having the season. They want to have tough loss to the top team in the Ivy League, Princeton, the other day. Close. This team, this softball team. I trust in Shannon Salzburg. Me too. That's all you need to know. So in make Shannon, sure we trust in Shannon. That's what I, could, I couldn't get there. In Shannon, we trust. I agree. Uh, always fun. We'll make sure that we we keep doing this next week. Is there anything else going on in the world of Greg? I know you were big into the apple game last week. Anything else going on this week?
1: No, no. I'm still big in the apple game. We threw out some apples that I felt like we could have maybe salvaged the other day.
0: I hate when we do that. I know. We do it too.
1: I know. It was like I had bought another bag of apples. Some had gotten thrown out, uh, you know. I thought maybe we could cut around some problem spots. I mean, like, listen, you just can't.
0: Tried to make it work.
1: Yeah, they say. Well, what do they say? One one apple ruins the bag or something. It's, I don't know.
0: I think the people that say that are selling you apples, though. So they want That's you to buy a whole a bunch a new really apples. Really good point. Mots. Mots is stepping in. Big Apple is trying to get you to do that.
1: Delicious Orchards is saying, "Hey, yes. get rid of that those apples. They're ruining the rest of your apples. One bad apple." But uh, no, the, I don't know. There's just it's the same thing: work and and running around my kids to a thousand things. So, uh, but it's great, and I wouldn't trade it for any. There's no life better than the one that's yours, right? That's what they say.
0: I do. Yes, I think I've seen that on things that are hanging in people's homes.
1: Yeah, uh, with a cat or something. Right. Um, yes. Maybe a cat hanging off a, a you know the side of a table. Right. Inspirational posters.
0: And <sighs> you're gonna get inspiration, not only. Great talks with conversations with our our, our student athletes, but inspiration here. Uh, Always fun to do this. Greg and I will be back next week. We'll do it again. We appreciate you listening. Remember, subscribe, rate, review. Make sure you tell your friends about this one, about the King and the Badger podcast as well. Uh, Just electric final episode that they did. Really good. Talking about St. Peter's run, talking Mm -hmm. about the relationship between Coach Rice and Coach Davis at North Carolina, just great, great stuff. There's no shortage of content out there for you. You got to find it and make sure that you keep listening to our Hawk Talk podcast.
1: Oh, hey, and uh, I think our camp schedule is just posted. So if you have some kids, you know, you want to get them out of the house, get them better, get, get you know, learn from some of our student athletes and our coaches. I mean, that's a ridiculous opportunity is to just go ahead and and learn from a division one coach. When you're, you're 10, I'm going to be bringing my kids up here. At least Frank up here. I got to go talk to see when coach Fisher's got his thing going on and, uh, try to get him a little better coach. Talk to coach Rice, maybe get Frank to hit a a free throw. Is there a free throw camp? Maybe he can go to. (laughs) So, uh, but no, seriously, summer camps are up. Monmouthhawks.com, uh, slash camps, I believe is, is the direct URL, but you can find your way around there as long as you know how to use the interwebs. And, uh, Definitely subscribe because, we, you know, we put these things out and then we don't, you know, I'll cut this up and put this up and then we don't really promote it for another day or two. But the people who subscribe, they get it first. Early adopters.
0: That's the advantage to subscribing.
1: Subscribe.
0: This has been a production of the monmouth digital network hawk talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites including spotify apple podcasts audible pandora and more all rights reserved